Hello, I'm Paul Fahey from the Pope Francis Generation, as well as Where Peter Is. I'm excited to be a part of this Eucharistic Summit. I'm here to give a presentation on the Pope Francis's new apostolic letter, Desiderio Desiderave. The title of this uh, document in English um, is I Have Greatly Desired, or I Have Earnestly Desired. And that's the heart of this document, which is the heart of the Eucharistic liturgy, which is really the heart of Catholicism, and that is God's desire uh, for us. Scripture and the Church, when they talk about God's desire, they will use the word thirst, which is such a wonderful word to use, right? Um, If I'm hungry, I can usually push through that hunger for a while. Uh, I may get cranky and ornery, but I can usually push through it. But when I'm thirsty, when I'm really thirsty, that's all I can think about. It consumes my thoughts, um, and it keeps me from being able to focus on anything else. And then when I do get something to drink, even if it's just plain old water, it's like the best thing in the world. This is how God describes his desire for us. This zeroed-in, focused, desperate desire to be with us and to encounter us. And then the joy he experiences when we are with him. So the Pope begins his document, and he says this, quoting the Gospel of Luke at the beginning of the Last Supper, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Pope Francis continues, These words of Jesus, with which the account of the Last Supper opens, are the crevice through which we are given the surprising possibility of intuiting the depth of the love of the persons of the Most Holy Trinity for us. Peter and John were sent to make preparations to eat that Passover, but in actual fact, all of creation, all of history, which at last was on the verge of revealing itself as the history of salvation, all of history was a huge preparation for that supper. What the Pope is saying here is that when God created the world, when God created the stars and the sea creatures, the skies, He had the Last Supper in mind. Now, why is that? We have the Last Supper is the beginning of what the Church calls the Paschal Mystery, which is the Passion, Death, Resurrection, and Ascension of Jesus Christ, which the Church recognizes as one event. And it is this event that is the greatest sign of God's desire for us. This event is the greatest sign of how far God will go to chase us down. I think of the parable of uh, that Jesus tells of the shepherd with a hundred sheep, where 99 stay and one leaves. And it says in Luke's gospel, it says that the shepherd looks for that sheep until he finds it. There's a persistence in God's pursuit, in God's desire to seek out his children. And the Paschal mystery The Passover mystery of Jesus Christ is the greatest sign of that. So I want to spend a moment talking about the Paschal mystery. Um, We'll start going back to the Garden of Eden and how God intended humanity to be. Scripture says that Adam and Eve were clothed with the glory of God. St. John Paul II, when talking about this, uses the language of interior gaze. And that means that when Eve looked at Adam... She saw God shining forth from his body, from his skin. 
And when Adam looked at Eve, he saw God shining forth from her. This was how God meant things to be. But then Adam and Eve, um, sin. The Catechism says that that first sin had a particular form, a particular order. First, Adam and Eve doubted God's goodness, and then they grasped and control and disobedience themselves. And, and the Catechism goes on to say that every single sin, every single sin I've committed, every sin you've committed, has that exact same form. We have first doubted God's goodness and the goodness that he shows to me, to us, and grasp and control ourselves. Adam and Eve chose to reject God. They chose to reject life. And the opposite of life is death. Where they were once free from suffering and free from death, now they were vulnerable. And the very next verse, after they sin, after they eat this fruit, um, they recognize their own vulnerability. They recognize that they're naked and they make clothes for themselves. In this moment, Eve looks at Adam and no longer sees God shining forth from him. Rather, she sees someone who can be used, who can be abused, who can be manipulated, who is vulnerable. And in recognizing that of the other, she recognizes that that's the case for herself as well. So she makes clothes to protect herself. Now, when God became man, Jesus, when God became man, he didn't come with this glorified body that Adam and Eve originally had. No, he chose to come with the vulnerable body that they chose through sin. And in the Paschal Mystery, we see Jesus embracing this vulnerable body, this body that can be harmed, this body that can experience pain, this body that can die, experiencing that in order to chase us down. The heart of the Paschal Mystery, I would say, is that Jesus lets everything that kills me kill him. So what killed Jesus in this story? Immediately after the Last Supper, or even during the Supper, Jesus is betrayed by people who he trusted. He's abandoned by his friends, the people who had previously said minutes before they'd never leave him. He has false accusations levied against him from those uh, in leadership, from those in charge. He is tortured, he is humiliated, and he's hung on a cross in a body that is vulnerable and in a body that is naked. In most of our, our modern depictions of the crucifixion, Jesus is wearing a loincloth. And that's for our sake. So that's for our sake and our taste. The reality is, is that Roman crucifixion, they would, they'd strip the prisoners naked. Here is God who chose a vulnerable body. And just as Adam and Eve chose to clothe their vulnerable body to protect it, God himself lets his body be stripped naked and to hang on a cross in agony. The Catechism says that Jesus knew and loved each of us during his life and on the cross, and he loved us all with a human heart. I think this is important for a couple of reasons. Um, Jesus died for all of us, and that's true. But if that's all we can say, then we're able to put 2,000 years and millions of people between me and Jesus. So it's true that Jesus died for us, but it's also true that Jesus died for me personally. He had me in mind as he was hanging from the cross. And the Catechism says he loved me with a human heart. And why is that important? Because a human heart can be broken. When he's hanging on the cross, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? 
Jesus experiences rejection and betrayal and humiliation and shame, like being shamed, because we experience those things. And in this moment hanging from the cross, he experiences the feeling of being abandoned by God. Now, Jesus is God, so he isn't actually abandoned by him. But in his human heart, he allows himself to experience the feeling of abandonment. So that when I have this feeling, when you have this feeling, when there's a loved one in the hospital, um, when there's mental illness, when there's some suffering in your life, and you cry out to the Lord, where are you? We know that Jesus experienced this too. He didn't need to experience this. He already knew what it was like because he's God. But he experienced it so that we would know how far he would go to be in solidarity and walk with us. And then Jesus went further to chase us down. He actually died. He didn't fall asleep. He didn't rest. He actually died. And his corpse was taken off of the cross and was put in the ground. Everything that I have done that has harmed others. And everything that others have done to me, Jesus took into himself and onto himself, and he let it actually kill him. He died my death. And he went as far into, into death as possible to rescue me, even to the place of the dead. Every Sunday in the creed, we profess that Jesus descended into hell or descended to the place of the dead to rescue those who died in friendship with God. He went as far away from the Father as he possibly could to rescue me. He died my death so that I could share in his life. He died my death so that he could give me his life. And this is what we mean by salvation. Not just, as if it's not enough, not just that Jesus died for my sins or forgave my sins, but that he allows me to share in his own divine life. Now we're going to get to the liturgy, especially the Eucharistic liturgy. How do I have access to this event, this Paschal mystery that happened 2,000 years ago in another part of the world, but precisely through the liturgy? In his document, Pope Francis says this, Christian faith is either an encounter with him alive or it does not exist. The liturgy guarantees for us the possibility of such an encounter. For us, a vague memory of the Last Supper would do no good. We need to be present at the, at the Last Supper. We need to be able to hear his voice, to eat his body, and drink his blood. We need him. In the Eucharist and in all the sacraments, we are guaranteed the possibility of encountering the Lord Jesus and of having the power of his Paschal mystery reach, reach us. The Lord Jesus, who dies no more, who lives forever with the signs of his passion, continues to pardon us, heal us, save us with the power of the sacraments. It is the concrete way by means of his incarnation that he loves us. It is the way in which he satisfies his own thirst for us that he had when he declared it from the cross. It is through the liturgy that I have access to the Paschal Mystery. It is through the liturgy that God makes me divine, makes me share in his divine life. We really truly encounter God in the Eucharistic liturgy. And that encounter heals me and transforms me. Transforms me into what? transforms me into Christ. And this is all over the liturgy. At one moment when the priest is preparing the altar and he has the bread and the wine, he says, sometimes out loud, sometimes quietly, by the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, 
who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Now, to what extent did Christ share in our humanity? Fully. To what extent is he inviting us? Is he bringing us into this place to share in his divinity? How much divinity? All of it. St. Athanasius says that we come, we become by grace what God is by nature. St. Augustine says that through the Eucharist, not only have we become Christians, but we have become Christ himself. Pope Francis says this in his document, That is the purpose for which the Spirit is given, whose action is always and only to confect the body of Christ. It is that way with the Eucharistic bread and with every one of the baptized called to become more and more that which was received as a gift at baptism, namely, being a member of the body of Christ. St. Leo the Great writes, Pope Francis says, St. Leo the Great writes, Our participation in the body and blood of Christ has no other end than to make us become that which we eat. This is the purpose of the liturgy. This is, this is the reason we go to Mass. This is the greatest participation we can have in Mass. Participation in Mass doesn't mean standing when everyone stands and singing when everyone sings or being a volunteer reader. Those things are good. Those things are important. But at the heart of participation in Mass is to put myself on the altar with Jesus, to sacrifice myself at the altar, to, as Father's praying over the bread and the wine, to consciously bring to mind what are my doubts in this Mass? What are my fears? What are my anxieties? What are my joys? And what are my desires? To let my to let everything that I put on me to protect me fall away. And to put myself naked on the altar, totally vulnerable before the Lord, to be healed and to be transformed. This is the purpose of the Mass. So I encourage you two things. I encourage you, next time you go to Mass, to let your masks fall. To let those things that you wear to protect yourself, let those fall. To put your doubts, your shame, your anger, even your anger towards God, on the altar. And be vulnerable before a loving Father who desperately desires you and who thirsts for you. And the second thing is I would encourage you to pick up this document, Desiderio Desiderave, and to spend some time praying through that uh, during this year of the Eucharist. Thank you.